Foul evil to the right hand. Puts her down. He's going to dump him hard to the ice. Brady Leopold just loves to fight. Ladies and gentlemen. Welcome. My dream of being a professional hockey player became a reality, but it was all taken away from me in a very short period of time. For many years, hockey was my outlet. Hockey was my drug. When I had a stick in my hand, nothing else mattered. I was able to break into the Western Hockey League in 2004, and I even won the Swift Current Broncos Rookie of the Year. During the summer of my rookie year, I experimented with drugs for the first time. After just seven games in my sophomore season, I walked away from the Swift Current Broncos due to personal reasons. Nobody knew I had been sexually abused at the age of five. I did everything to hide it from everybody, but I just couldn't take it. Drugs and alcohol now took over my life. I did return to the Swift Current Broncos as a 19-year-old, but things were never the same. I was eventually traded to the Kelowna Rockets in my final year of junior where I got to play on a line with the Dallas Stars captain, Jamie Benn, and one of my best friends, the extremely talented Colin Long. It was by far my best season ever, and I even signed with the Tampa Bay Lightning's organization. A dream come true, right? That's when everything went wrong. First it was the cocaine, then came the Oxycontin, and that led me into a 12-year journey into the deepest pits of hell. Within two years, I had now made the switch to heroin, fentanyl, and everything in between, and I was now an intravenous drug user. Multiple suicide attempts and over five trips to the psych ward, I was a shadow of who I once was. By 2014, I was homeless on Hastings in Vancouver, the worst street in North America. By 2015, I was a wanted criminal, making the Crime Stopper headlines more than once. After spending three years in jail, I had completely given up. With nowhere to turn and nowhere to go, I finally started to get honest. I took a chance and made some major changes. This is my story. 10-1-9-1-1-1-1-1-1-1-1-1-1-1-1-1-1-1-1-1-1-1-1-1-1-1-1-1-1-1-1-1-1-1-1-1-1-1-1-1-1-1-1-1-1-1-1-1-1-1-
party. And a lot of you guys were uh, sticking with me and, and have stuck by me. And just thank you. Thank you. I got to give a special shout out to the local girl at Giant Tiger, Ashley. Thank you for the new Christmas mug. Everybody knows I love my tea. Thank you, Ashley, from the local Gravenhurst Giant Tiger. Shout out, Giant Tiger. They get a lot of business from this household. That's for sure. Um, thank you all for, for being here tonight. I'm, I'm really excited about this episode. I talked a lot about uh, getting away from like just having hockey players on and, and it's been kind of, it's kind of been a struggle, right? Cause hockey's been my niche and everything. And I've had a, a couple guys, first one being Adam Braidwood, one of my best friends, uh, heavyweight boxer, uh, my roommate from rehab, uh, incredible dude, uh, with a great story as well. And so I really wanted to transition into, uh, not just hockey players and that's, what's going to happen tonight. So I'm really excited about that. I'm losing my voice because I talk a lot. And you guys know that. And I'm excited. I don't think I'm going to have to talk as much tonight. I'm I'm super pumped for that. Um, but before we go any further, uh, I have to bring up some just terribly sad news uh, in the hockey community. Um, and this one hits uh, really close to home because this is a, a guy that I not only played against, but a guy that is uh, related to my favorite uncle in the entire world. Um, just a, a couple days ago, uh, we lost Matthew Swaby to a, just a tragic farming accident. He was uh, a longtime WHL guy. He was there pretty much the entire time I was in the league, played for Tri-City, was the first captain of the Edmonton Oil Kings when they first came into the league. Matthew was 34 years old and a hard worker, Farmer and uh, an absolute nightmare to play on the play against on the ice. Uh, he made me pay the price on more than one occasion. Uh, I know that my family, my uncle or my auntie Lee, are, are maybe watching this right now, and and uh, you know I just send my condolences to them, but more importantly to to Matthew's family. And kind of brings me to the next point, and this one's going to be hard for me to get through. Um, there is a GoFundMe uh, for Matthew's family. Uh, currently, I'm going to put it up on the screen right now. It's going to be in the link too for after the show. It'll be a, a clickable link if you're listening. Go in the podcast description. It'll be there. Um, but he left behind a, a young, beautiful family, three young boys and a beautiful wife. Um just This is just uh, a snippet off the GoFundMe page that I want to read. And it just says, your support will help Carla and the boys with the funeral, ranch expenses, education, and hopefully some things that can bring Carla and the boys a smile, making life just a little more manageable. Your support will have a huge impact this holiday season and is extremely appreciated by Carla and the boys. I can't imagine what Carla and, and Matthew's parents and family are going through. I know that uh, one of his relatives that live in BC um, is flying out there or has flown out there uh, to lend her support. So I uh, just continued prayers uh, for everybody that's been affected uh, by Matthew's death. And we just want to remember Matthew tonight. And, and this episode is, is in his memory. And um, just if we can all come together, if you can spare anything for the GoFundMe, it's going extremely well. Um, 
but we all know that you know this this young lady has three boys to raise and and this GoFundMe is great but this this is going to be an uphill battle so if we can all lend our support um we can make a difference so just thinking of this Wavy family i'm going to kick it over to one commercial uh and we'll be right back with donnie hart Hi there, it's Regan Bartell, the play-by-play voice of the Kelowna Rockets, Brady Leovold's biggest fan. Team Issued is connecting all walks of life. Team Issued does this by recreating that special feeling of being a part of something bigger. A community for all striving towards the same goal. Teamissued.ca, promo code TOEDRAG15 for 15% off. Never gets old whenever I hear Regan's voice. He's was I, I I say this like almost every episode, but I could just go back and and watch my old games just based on listening to his voice. He's, in my opinion, the best play-by-play guy and an even better person. So thank you, Regan, Jesse, everybody at Team Issued. But without further ado, let's let's get into this uh interview. Just a quick backstory. Uh, three, three, four weeks ago, I was on a, a, a podcast called hungry for hope podcast. And, uh, I didn't know any of the guys leading into it. If anybody knows anything about me, I'm a yes, man. If people ask me, I'm like, yeah, I, I do want to do it like tonight. I could probably make it happen. And, and this guy is the same as me, which I found out, but I just appreciated uh, all of their energy. Uh, but I have, uh, Donnie coming on and I just want to say like, I, I just appreciated uh, the way that he carried himself in the interview, and uh, I just needed to bring him on. Though he's not a hockey player, I'm really excited for you guys to hear his story, and I'm excited to hear more of his story because as you're, he'll probably give me a jab. They didn't get to talk much when I was on their show, so I'm going to give him an opportunity to take the floor here. So let's bring him in down there from New Jersey. Did I say that right? You said it perfect, brother. What's going on, buddy? What's up, Brady? Uh, thank you for having me on. Before anything, I just wanna I, I wanna send you send you some love uh, for the loss of uh, your friend, man. Everybody who who knew him, his family, man. I, I know all about losing losing somebody you loved, man. And uh, it's really not that easy, man. That, that's kind of where hunger for hope comes from. That that pain. So I just want to send that out to you guys. Yeah, thank you, thank you for for those kind words, and and I can't wait to hear um where that hope comes from but i i tell you man i've done a lot of interviews i've either been on this side of it on my show done a lot of shows but there was something captivating about you and your personality and then you know hearing your story um i think you know very relatable like me and you connected we can talk we can be real there's no bs because we lived through the, the the depths of hell where there was nowhere else to go. And now we're both on the other side of it, trying to make a difference in this world. So I appreciate you. But before we get into that, tell everybody a little bit about Donnie Hart um, and, and where you're from and, and what your passions were as a kid and, and, and kind of where life took you, man. Yeah, man, I'm, I'm, I'm Donnie Hart. Uh, I was born in Philadelphia, grew up in New Jersey, like 10 minutes from, from the city of Philly. You know, I, I got to put that out there. When you say New Jersey, I don't want anybody to think I'm from New York or the Jersey Shore. They're the guys I beat up <laughs> from South Jersey. We got farms. We got the city, Philly, you know, completely two different worlds. Yeah. It's an hour and a half away, but two different worlds, you know. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I'm from there, South Jersey, born in Philly, raised in South Jersey, man. Uh, uh, since, the, since the day I could walk, I, I always wanted to do one thing, man. Uh, professional wrestling. Uh, 
you know, I get to, you know, I, I was able to dabble in that later, but as a kid, man, uh, life's not easy sometimes as a kid. And unfortunately I, I was born, uh, with a speech impediment, you know, people never know anymore. Cause I'm so far from, from where I was as a kid. But when I was a kid, uh, people couldn't understand me. I couldn't speak right out. I was in special ed classes. I couldn't ride the bus with my, my brother and sister. I had to take the, the little short bus, you know, and you know how kids are, man, they, they pick on you. Yeah. Uh, you know, I'm big now, but I, I wasn't always the biggest and, and they just pick on you. That's just, that's just how it is. And, and back where, where I went to, where I, where I grew up when I was young, the school district wasn't bad. Uh, it wasn't good. It was bad. They just weren't, the teachers weren't good. It wasn't in a good, good area. And, uh, unfortunately they, they didn't understand my speech impediment. So they just, they just told me I was, I was handicapped. They said I was retarded. That's what they said. I hate that word, but that, that's what they used. And, uh, as a kid, man, you're getting picked on. You go to school every day. I, I had a bigger brother. He, he was, he was my hero, but he can't be there. You know, I got to go to special school. So he wasn't there. So I go to school for what, eight hours and, uh, I'm by myself, man. I'm by myself. Uh, not the best school, not the best teachers, not the best people, uh, as a young kid. And, uh, I would come home and, you know, I, I'd be beaten up. I'd be beaten up. So I was looking for an escape, man. And uh, good thing I didn't turn hockey on for whatever reason. I, I turned on professional wrestling, man. I think just something, I was this little kid who was getting bullied and I turned on and I saw Hulk Hogan, uh, the ultimate warrior, animal and Hulk, macho man, Randy Savage, ultimate warrior. If you remember, you know, these is, of course, man, I was huge in the wrestling too, man. Yeah, you're the same. We're around the same age. You're talking in the 90s. They were like, I was born 88. So these wrestlers were back then. It was just like Vince McMahon, WWE. They were all about the the big, jacked up, crazy dudes. And I would turn that on. You know, my brother would be there. He'd always be protecting me. And he'd turn it on for me. And he he, he knew he knew it wasn't easy, man. So he, he would look to help me get out of that. And he, he knew there wasn't really anything he could do. You know, if somebody looked at me wrong when I was in the neighborhood, he, he was there. But once I went on that short bus and I went to that school, man, I, the woofs, you know, I, I was thrown to the woofs. But when I saw Hulk Hogan, I saw, I saw uh, the Legion of Doom with their mohawks and their, their big muscles. I was like, nobody's ever going to pick on them guys, you know, never. So in my head as a young kid, I, it, it sounds messed up, but as a kid, you know, these things in your head, they, they stick, man. And I, I just turned it on and I'm watching it. I, I liked it, but I'm thinking in my head the whole time I'm, I'm escaping reality. I'm like, if I'm a professional wrestler, you know, I'm, I'm tiny, you know, I'm not big as a kid when I'm young and, uh, that's where the, the love of professional wrestling, it was my, there they are, Those yeah, are like Kogan, they, too, you know, man. that was my escape. Yeah. These guys, they, they molded me this little kid and, and, uh, you know, the made hours at school were hell, but when I was home with my brother and I had that TV on, I was in heaven, brother. Yeah. And, uh, you know, you grow up, I got out of the speech impediment. I moved out of a better school by the time I turned like 10. And, you know, that stuff started going away. I moved to a new school by the time. And they didn't know about my past. You know, I, I just had a speech impediment. I wasn't handicapped. I was actually real, real smart. I went to the new school and they, they said they have you listed as in handicapped classes. Uh, I always tell a story. My mom, my mom actually told it on the show before she, she chimed in. She saw I was talking about her or, or my dad or somebody. And I tell a story like, I got A's like my last year at that, that bad school, I, I got a straight A, I got A's on a, on a test and the teacher called home and she's like, your son's cheating. I don't think anybody was, she's like, he's handicapped. There's no way he can get an A. She's like, he, he's mentally disabled. And you know, my, my mom, thank God, she, she went in there as an old lady and 
you know, I was, I was one of the only white guys there and she went in there and she just flipped out. She stood up for me, you know, and it was hold pretty on, cool. Hold on, hold on. This is for your mom. <laughs> That's for mom right there. Damn right. Yeah. And you know, that she stood up for me. I, I remember I kept that report card. She gave me a report card, that lady. And it just said like, I would never be able to speak in public. I would never, all this stuff. And when you get older, you know, I, I held a grudge. I'm like, I'm going to show her. Can't speak in public. I'm, I'm gonna, I'm gonna talk on a microphone when I get old. I'm gonna do wrestling. I'm gonna do, you know, these petty little grudges, but they, they, they can make us do good things. They can also, you know, be a heavy burden on us. But yeah. you know, I get to the new school, man, and and they're like, yeah, you're, you're extremely talented and smart and stuff. And you know, that kind, of, that stuff kind of went away, but it never really, really goes away, man. I, I got a little bigger. Uh, I ended up finding football. Uh, I, I tried to do wrestling. I did, I did wrestling. But, uh, you know, it was never – I loved wrestling in, like, high school, but it was never the, the same thing as Hulk Hogan and stuff. So football is the closest thing. I could just smack people in the head. Like, I was a gladiator out there. I wasn't the most athletic, but I just went out there, and, you know, I wanted to hurt people. I wanted to punish them people who, who punished me when I was young, and the best way I could find it is put on pads and hurt people. And I, I was pretty good at it. You know, I went to college, uh, and, you know, I ended up getting a bad car accident. And uh, – Real bad. I was in the ICU. Uh, you know, I, I almost died. And uh, I, I still hung on to them dreams. I broke both legs, shattered, shattered my, my leg, my ankle. And uh, I still held on to them dreams. Like, that's just all I ever wanted to do. I, <laughs> I just wanted to do some kind of combat, something hitting people. And, you know, I tried, man. I played college. I did a little, tried tried semi-pro arena football. But it's a whole different game when you're, when you're banged up. So, you know, there, there I go. I'm like 23 years old. Football didn't work out. I never had a backup plan, man. I went to college. They asked me what I was there to, to do. I said I was there to play football. They said, you take your ass back to that shithole you call home, New Jersey. That's what they said to me. I went to school in Ohio. They said, you, you go back to that shithole you call home. And I'm thinking, like, shithole? I love New Jersey. <laughs> like, what, they, you know, what do they mean? I didn't know. I've never been outside of it. I didn't know people made fun of us. I, I didn't either. That's news to me. But <laughs> yeah, it was like it was like they were threatening me. Like yeah, I'm sitting there. I'm like, all right, I'll go back home. Yeah, I'd love to go back home. Yeah, but uh, but that's 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 tough, right? Like there's a, there's a lot to unpack there, man. Like like so when you're when you're so now to where we're at in the story. How old are you? When I, I'm like 24, washed up. Football didn't work. Uh, I didn't graduate college because I only went to football. I only could play football a little bit. When the football stopped, I, I dropped out. Uh, okay, so I, my question for you is this, because 24 was where I – I mean, I was already bad, right? I was already doing stuff. I was down that path. But 24 was where it took a whole nother turn for me. Same thing kind of happened to me with the hockey where that was like kind of kick at the can, whatever, and now my whole life kind of went downhill. So I'm, we're going to get to that. But my question for you is – so here you have up until 10 years old where you're getting, um, you know, teachers, um, people uh, just constantly bringing you down. And it's got a weigh on you in your own mind, right? A little bit. But you're telling us that you have wrestling, you had football, that was your escape, right? Yes. So where were you up until that point with like your self-talk, your self-worth up until like 24 before, just before losing football and, and there? Like where were you at? Well, once, you know, the, the football completely ended at 24, but, like, them years before that, after I got hurt a few years before that, uh, 
when I was 18. So I was just trying to trying to hold on to something that just just wasn't there anymore. You know, it didn't matter. I just couldn't do what I, I could do. Football's hard, man. I couldn't make them cuts and uh, the ankle hurt and the pain. I was just in so much pain. And, you know, I, I started for the first time. I, I, I was never in the in the drugs, but that that period of my my life was the first time, like right after 18, uh, you know, I, I was prescribed all this these pain pills. And so by the time I'm 24, I'm I'm taking all these pills that doctors gave me. You know, they, they didn't they didn't tell me what these do to me. I was just in a bad day. They, they felt they felt bad because I was in that that injured. I was injured and I played college football. They just give you whatever you want, man. I don't know. I'm young. I'm naive. And, and it's uh, and, and let's back it up for a second. You're out there playing college and you're trying to not only live out your dream, but as far as uh you know, as far as my as the way that I was and the majority of people that I know, these doctors were people that were that people that we could trust, right? Like, hey, it's not I don't know, like maybe we should have asked maybe I should have asked more questions myself. But at the same time, we're kids trying to live out a dream. So let's just highlight that point before you go any further. Yeah, absolutely. Like you said, Brady, these are, you know, I, I, I was a diehard wrestling fan and I, I wanted to be a professional football player before that wrestler. I, I wasn't a doctor. I wasn't book smart. You know, I wasn't dumb. Don't get me wrong. But I thought these people, you have doctor in front of your name. You know what to do. Uh, and like, I, I remember even the first time, um, I'm I'm coming off these these pills they gave me, and I got an old old teacher, and he's like, "What what's wrong?" I'm like, "I I don't know. I, I wasn't able to sleep last night. Uh, I I was hot, cold, sweating." He's like, "Are you, are you on drugs?" I'm like, "No, I'm not on drugs. Are you nuts? You know, I'm gonna be in the NFL. Why, why would I be on drugs?" He's like, "Well, you got hurt." I was like, "Oh yeah, my doctor gave me some medicine, but I'm not on drugs." He's like, "What, what kind of medicine?" I'm like Percocet. He's like, "You're withdrawn, Donnie." what's withdrawn? I don't, he, doctor didn't tell me that part. Yeah. And, you know, so this, this all happened between like 18, 24. So by 24, you know, football's done. Uh, uh, you know, I'm battling this prescription pill thing. Uh, I'm lost. I, I really just don't know what I wanted to do. And uh, this is when I don't know. And you're at that spot where you're just low. I just, I just look back. That's like, what, what made me the happiest. You know, and I sit back to little, little five-year-old Donnie in front of that TV with his brother next to him, with with his arm around me, and telling me, you know, yeah, you, you know, I, I want to be that, Jimmy. And he's like, yeah, you can do that. So I'm like, I know what to do. It's obvious what you do at 24. You know, <laughs> battling pills. You know, watched up football, no education, no job. It's obvious what you do then, right? Pro wrestling. <laughs> you know, I just went back to. I was like, yeah. You know, I, I never, I never really got to show them because I, I think I was at a point where, even through the football, the wrestling, it was my way to prove to them that people, them people who picked on me in that that young that young age, the teachers, like, uh, you know, I just had this this grudge I just couldn't let go, and I just thought of them days like sitting there with my brother, and they were the happiest days because he was there, he was protecting me. Uh, I got to watch Hulk Hogan do the leg drop. You know, I'd be like, yeah, brother. You know, <laughs> they were the good days. So. One thing led to another, and uh, you know, I I didn't tell anybody. You know, how do you, what do you do? Sit down at Thanksgiving dinner and tell grandmom you're you're going to be a pro wrestler? You know, I would have got thrown out of dinner. And I, I like to eat, so I kept my mouth shut for a little bit, uh, and I just trained. You know, I I started hitting the weights, man. I really got into the bodybuilding, um, and I, I had some connections uh, in the pro wrestling world. They told me what I had to do, and you know, about a year doing doing hard training, I. Uh, 
I ended up getting a, a private tryout with uh, this guy, Pretty Boy Larry Sharp. He was the best of the best. He happened to live in my area. There he is. And uh, he specialized. They're like, Donnie, you're in the perfect area. You, you grew up in the same area as Larry Sharp. He trained Bam Bam Bigelow, King Kong Bundy, The Big Show, Sheamus, you know, all the big guys. He specialized in big, crazy guys, making them professional wrestlers. Like He did it with Bam Bam and... And he saw me, and I, I remember going to this tryout. It was like 50 people. They were, they were doing some reality show. And, you know, his school, pro wrestling, you know, you got to – I had to look all this stuff up. I didn't know how to do it. I didn't know how you became a wrestler. But you go to, like, a, a school. His school was one of the first ever. There's Pretty Boy. And um, he, he was like a father. He was amazing to me. But I'm there, and there's 48 people, and they're all professional wrestlers. I'm like, what are they doing here? They're, they're already wrestlers, but – getting trained by him, getting that stamp of approval, getting to go to his school. You know, most people, they, they pay thousands and thousands of dollars, but he was offering a, a scholarship, uh, two, two scholarships to, to go to his school. And I get in there and I'm the only guy. I, I was in a ring, like my birthday when I was a little kid, but I, I never been in a ring. And thank God they weren't looking for anybody. You know, they weren't looking for somebody who, who knew how to do it. He's like, that's what I do. He told me, he's like, I, I teach you how to be a professional wrestler. That's the easy part. He's like, I'm looking for the it factor, the shit you can't teach, man. The shit that you, you get from being a five-year-old kid who, who's picked on and you're watching wrestling. You you build this stuff, this stuff you can't teach. You can't teach some of the stuff we've been through, some of the stuff you've been through, Brady. You, you learn it from, from hard lessons, from the hard way. Yeah. But in my opinion, it, sometimes it's the best way. Amen. You, you can never take somebody and tell them what, you know, years and years of you know being picked on for speech impediment or having addiction or, or that that bottom you can never teach anybody them lessons man you, you can't find that shit in a book yeah. you can't find a coach to teach it and uh i just had this passion this drive man like i remember like the day before the tryout i really didn't tell anybody uh day before the tryout i you know, i let my brother know he, he was always he was four years older he was like the the guy I told everything to so i, I let him know i was like you know, I'm thinking about being a being a pro wrestler, and he's like, you know, go to the tryout. We didn't. I was like, I'm just gonna do the tryout. You know, we'll see how it goes. Nothing. But the night before, I tell my buddy, my my buddy, and I was like, I gotta be a pro wrestler. So what does a pro wrestler look like? I already got like, you know, I'm starting to get the physique, but I'm like, I see Chuck Liddell on TV. I'm like, he's close to a pro wrestler. I think I need a mohawk. You know, that's what Adam on Hawk had, Legion of Doom. So I went out that night. I, I went to the mall, and I got a mohawk, and uh. We're actually at this bar, Ruby Tuesday, the Defert Mall. So I'm there having a couple of drinks, and I'm like, I got to go get a Mohawk. So we go get the Mohawk. We go back to the bar, have a couple more drinks. He's like, uh, I think you need like a big chain or something, like Mr. T. Have a couple more drinks. I go get, go get a chain. The, the bar is right in the mall. Everything's there. We come back, a couple more drinks. It's like 8 o'clock, 9 o'clock at night. I have a tryout at like 8 in the morning the next day. He's like, you need to be tan. Hulk Hogan was tan. I'm like, you're right. Oh, Kogan was tan. We we go get the tan sprayer. I go get some some crazy shirt. I cut the sleeves off the shirt. I go back in his basement. I he sprays me butt naked with the, the spray tan. We almost died. The fumes are everywhere. It's like midnight. We're still drinking. I'm 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 orange. Got this big goofy chain. I got like a hot topics. I thought it looked good. Got this mohawk. I, I'm gonna I'm gonna go get my dream. Uh, I show up at eight fifteen to the wrong building. <laughs> By the time I get to the place, I'm an hour late. They, they're, they're filming. They, they got these, like, they're supposed to be doing this big uh, reality show. I bang on this door right where they're filming. They everybody else in another room. I bang where they're filming everything. They look. 
the fuck out of here. And then I'm like, oh, I'm here for the trial. They're like, it already started. And then I see, I see Larry peek his head out. He looks at me. I'm like, um, Donnie, you know, I, I know Tanka. He looks at me. He's like, you're the one to play college football. I'm like, yeah. He's like, get in here and shut up. You're late. <laughs> hey, you know, I get in this and I just remember everybody's so excited. They're like happy to be there. They were like getting there was like their, their cool point. Not me. I didn't want to talk to anybody. They were doing interviews. I wasn't smiling. I wasn't there. I wasn't there to make friends. I was there to, to prove a point to all them people. I, I was there. I was that five-year-old who was hell bent on, on, you know, righting the wrongs, uh, you know, showing people I, I, I was going to do this thing I did when I was five and people said I couldn't. And, and, you know, all them people, I, I was a man on a mission. You know, I was in such a, I don't know if it was a good spot or a crazy spot. I was just in this spot where nothing was going to stop me. And I went out there and I didn't know how to run the ropes. I didn't know how to take any bumps, but I was athletic. You know, I'm a big dude who can move. And uh, at the end of the day, it was me and one other dude, they called in. They said, we, we want to give you a scholarship, you know, and me being me. Like, well, what can you give me? You know, what do you mean? You know, they just thought I was going to jump up. Everybody was jumping. But I was so dedicated in this. My, my brother told me, you know, he said, Donnie, if you do this, I'm only behind you under one condition. He told me one condition. He's like, you got to be the greatest. He's like, you're not trying to be Hulk Hogan. If you do this, you're trying to be better. He's like, if not, you know, I'm not behind you. Don't do it. You know, go get a job. So he, he set that in my mind, like, you got to be the best. Why, you know, you're already, why well, do it at that age, you know, unless you're going to be the greatest. So I told him, I was like, hey, can you get me to WWE? Can you make me a champion within a year? Like, that's unheard of. I'm like, well, I'm not, I'm not your normal person. And, and you know, they say stuff and I, I played hardball. And the next day I showed up and I had my wrestling shoes on and I started pro wrestling school, man. Wild, like twenty four, whatever you know. Nah, and, and how like how was that for you? Like where, like that must have been at that time because you're going through a tough time prior to that. No more football, but now all of a sudden you have this new passion that probably is is maybe arguably I don't want to put words in your mouth, but it's almost like the more of an outlet. You're excited. You have this new fire. So so talk us through through you know wrestling and and kind of what happens in your life next, Donnie. Yeah, man, it just it gave me new life. Like football was awesome, but I don't really think that was like my passion. You know, I just did that because yeah. it sounded better saying I wanted to be a football player and I wanted to put on tights and pretend to fight, you know, other grown men. Yeah. <laughs> but that was my true passion. It all goes back to them days with my brother when he, he would sit there with me and, and protect me and uh, we would watch them, them wrestling. So, yeah, I found a passion, man. That, that first year I came in like a man possessed, man. Uh Nothing in the world was going to stop me. Uh, I was the first guy there, uh, last guy to leave. I trained every day, man. Uh, you know, they would give me a key to the facility. I, I was there. I was in the gym. I was tanning. I was uh, doing amateur wrestling. I was in the ring. Everything you can think of. It's not easy. You know, I'm, I'm with some of the best athletes. I'm at the Monster Factory. You know, people think pro wrestling, they, they call it fake or whatever. Yeah, it's pretty term, but I, I'm with guys from UFC guys who, who were in the Olympics wrestling, uh, guys yeah. from the NFL. We, we had the best of the best. The guys I'm with, most of them went on to do great things. Some of them were already one. One was on uh, the ultimate fighter. Uh, you know, a lot of professional athletes from other, other sports all in there. So we we're, we we're the best, man. It was, it was some amazing athletes, but I, I didn't give a shit about any of them, man. Nobody was stopping me. You know, nobody went through what I went through. Nobody, uh, Nobody had to go through them them same things I did as a kid in my in my eyes. They didn't belong with me. Nobody belonged with me. And and that first year kind of showed, man. Like right away, I'm in magazines, I'm in articles. They say, you know, 
um, the next Bam Bam Bigelow they were calling me because I was trained by Larry, who who trained Bam Bam, and uh, yeah. you know, they, they said I, I was on my way, but uh, you know, uh, you, you, you put these things away, but if you never really face them, the issues these things cause, even even the pills, you know, I, I got rid of them. You know, they told me you don't do these pills. You go wrestling. It was, at the time, it was an easy choice for me. Yeah, I'm do whatever fuck you want me to do to be a pro wrestler at that time. But you, you don't you don't come to these you don't the the emotional stress you go through being picked on all that stuff uh, the the mental health you you go through if you don't ever face that stuff you you might you know the wrestling for a while might make yeah. that go away but at the end of the day you're not fixing that problem the problem's still there yep. and uh you know I started you know I'm signing autographs I'm doing what everybody said I couldn't I was young I, I was dumb. And it was up and down. It was a it was a shaky road, but uh, you know, after that first year, it didn't go as good the next like year or two. And then I'm finally uh finally like I'm twenty-six. I'm in it for like two years or say. And I'm I'm turning that point. I'm getting back on track. And uh I'm like, you know, I got that young, young wild boy, you know, I got the taste of the ego and stuff, and I'm trying to get it under control. And I'm finally I'm like, all right, you know, I thought I'd be in WWE at this time. I thought I'd be making millions. You know, I'm I'm living my dream, but I'm not where I wanted to be. I got into this to be the greatest. So we're we're at March 2014, man. Uh, I got a match in West Virginia against uh, Scott Steiner, uh, Big Daddy Pump, man. He was a big jack dude, another one of the guys who was my heroes. I know who he is. I know exactly who he is. <laughs> yeah. So I'm like, you know, everything's starting to get back in. You know, I'm back on that path, man. I had to try out with WWE. You know, they basically said, like, your ceiling's unlimited, but we don't know. You know, you're a wild card. <laughs> and, uh, you know, they, they signed they signed my my training partner who, who they said, you know, his ceiling was nowhere near mine, but they knew what they were getting, you know. So I just had to show that I, I could control myself, that I, I was invested. These people were willing to give you millions of bucks. They want to see that you're you're worth it off out of the ring and stuff, you know? And uh, uh, my brother at the time, you know, my brother, he was the biggest influence in my life. He was my hero. He had a, uh, he played college football at Arizona State. He lived down in Los Angeles. He did it all, man. He was just a good dude, great dude, with none of the baggage I brought, you know, none of the trouble. I, I brought all the trouble for the family. He, he didn't do none of that. He was just a good, good dude. And at like 28, you know, like 28 he just got tired of he had a job with apple for four years he had a nice nice uh luxury condo nice suv everything from the outside you would think was like the american dream every girl wanted them but he wasn't happy so he 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 gave it all up and uh he made a website called if i were gone.com he sold all of his possessions he took his 401k out his retirement everything he had some stock because he worked for apple he took every dollar put all of his belongings in a bag and uh traveled the world that that was his that was his pro wrestling, you know, traveling the world, and he would go where people couldn't go for whatever reason. If you couldn't go, you had a family. He would ask you if I were gone, where would you go? And he would go for you, Italy, Iceland, Spain, backpacking, you know, sleeping sleeping in tents. And that's where he was, March two thousand fourteen. And I remember hitting him up, and uh, you know, I'm I'm thinking about getting engaged this time. I got a nice girl. The wrestling thing looks like you know. I could be within footsteps of, you know, every, all the money in the world, all the fame. And I, I tell him like, I'm, I'm going to wrestle Steiner, you know, our hero. And uh, that's, that's what I tell him. And I go to West Virginia, seven hour drive, pouring rain. 
uh, I get to West Virginia, man. You know, this promoter is paying for me to come there, and I'm at the arena, and uh, he's at the steps with the, the champion, and they're, they're waiting, you know, to greet me there. They're happy I'm there. And uh, I come I come walking up the steps. They come out, and uh, when I walked up them steps, I got a phone call, and I, I hung it up with some number. It was a weird number, not even like a United States number. I didn't understand what it was, so I hung up and I kept on calling, and I answered it, and uh, it's the worst phone call of my life. I was the first one to find out my my brother died. Uh, yeah, they, they found him dead in the street in uh, Cambodia, and uh, in a remote village at the time. You know, I, I just I, I dropped to my knees. First, first I was angry. You know, I, there was there were some doors or whatever there, and I, I punched them. You know, my hands bleeding. It's raining. Then I dropped to my knees, and I was just I was just crying. You know, I was upset. The promoters right there. They have no idea what's going on. I, I didn't make it through, you know, I'm right at them doors. I didn't get through them doors. I tell them, I was like, nobody knows. You can't say anything. They're like, all right, we're going to do a 10 bell salute or whatever. I was like, all right, but you know, I had to walk back down them steps, pouring rain. You know, I just lost every, every the main th person in my life, my hero, the person who, who protected me. You know, I was kind of doing the wrestling because he, he, they were the best times with him. And he's the person who, who gave me the influence to do it and inspired me. And I, I lost him and, you know, but I kind of made that promise to myself. It, it was hard on that ride home. I'm letting family know. I'm like, you know, you're still going to do this. You know, they die. People die. You know, it, it sucks, man, but I can't, I can't change that. You know, I'm still going to do this wrestling thing. No, I'm going to do it. And it's on, you know, that was my head. That was what's going through my head. I was like, I just got to protect everybody else, you know, make sure my family, they're going through this loss, make sure they're okay. And, uh, and then, you know, that, that was just the beginning to, to my, I, I thought, you know, he'd come home, we bury him, he died, we'll find out how he died, you know. Well, we, we never found out how he died. And it, it became a, a international, like, circus, man. It was front page of all the national news and, you know, American mysteriously dies. His body was cremated without an autopsy. They were, like, holding his stuff. It was, it was like dealing with gangsters over there, man. We had to send money. They were holding his belongings. They want to tell us what happened. Uh, a couple other backpackers from from all over the world had died mysteriously same thing and uh not getting the answers the, the death didn't break me I always tell people the death the death didn't break me not getting the answers that's what that's what broke me you know I'm thinking at the time I'm this big ass jacked up wrestler I'm, I'm the toughest guy on the planet in my eyes you know I'm thinking help other people but you know what are you doing you lose lose a person like that I just I lost myself man uh like this, man. I, I had everything, and then I didn't care no more. I didn't, I didn't know who I was anymore, man. I, I didn't know I, I was going just through like a mental health breakdown, man. I was just mentally, I lost it, man. Uh, and I'm sure a lot of these other things that I, I was hiding through the, the wrestling came back and affected it. You know, the, these, you know, some substance abuse problems that I was able to get through with the wrestling and and some of the this mental mental health issues and stuff that I was kind of never took care of and it was all dandy when I was doing the wrestling. But once I hit that, man, it was just, I went down quick, man. Uh, I went down a dark, dark road, man. I, it was just bad. I, I didn't know who I was and I was calling people and they didn't know. I was like, I was just calling people on the phone, family, just pleading, like, help me. What, what, what do we need? How, how do we need to help? You got a drug problem? This? I said, no, I, I don't know. I don't know what the problem is. You know, I wake up, I see people smile. I want, I want to hurt them. You know, why are you smiling? My brother died. Why, why are you smiling? I walk down the street. I see somebody smiling. I, I was, I was knocking your head off. 
<laughs> I can laugh at it now, but it was fucked up, man. A lot of fights, uh, a lot of hatred. Uh, you know, and I'm at the time I'm I'm engaged, and that, that's not going good. You know, how can you be with somebody who's just mentally going through it? And within a year, man, I, I did some bad shit, man. Uh, just because I was just trying to run from this person, I was I was trying to self destruct. You know, yeah. uh, I just wanted to to be gone. I didn't know how. You know, I didn't. Yeah, the balls to kill myself. I just, I just didn't want to be there anymore. And I, I landed me in 2015. I landed up in a maximum security jail. Man, got caught up in in some bad stuff. Man, and uh, you know, they were throwing the book at me. It was over. And uh, I've never been happier in my life than yeah. I was sitting sitting in that jail cell. You know, because I, I was safe. You know, I'm in maximum security. I'm on a block called the body block. You know, I'm probably the only person on there that don't have a murder. I didn't have a murder. And, uh, and uh, you know, I just felt I was relieved. This is my life. I can deal with this. You know, I can I can go with these people. This is where I probably belong. And, uh, you know, that's, that time in there got me away from everything. And it, it, it saved my life, man. It saved my life, you know. And I... Uh, I just want to hop in and just and just say how sorry I am, you know, for the loss of your brother. I honestly, man, I I can't imagine, and I can see how much he meant to you. And and I know, um, I know, I can say, man, he's looking down at you. We're gonna get into what you're doing, but I I know a little bit of what you're doing, and and just from, from our conversation, man, there's no doubt that he's he's so proud of you, man, looking down. So I think you're having some issues here technically, but you can hear me, right? Yeah, I got you. Yeah. You still got me good? Oh yeah, I got you. I got you loud and clear. But yeah. um, my headset. Was I, I I wanna I wanna take it back to that that time where you know you just mentioned you're you're in jail and you feel safe and you know I can totally relate. I, I've been there where you know I wanted to die. I was trying to escape. I was you know using anything I could get my hands on, sticking a needle in my arm up to like 40, 50 times a day. No joke, no exaggeration. Like that's how bad I was and. When you get, and I got into there, and and then you know, there's different suicide attempts, but uh, just really, just not wanting to exist anymore, but not, but not really wanting to die, like still somehow believing in my heart, like there's a better version of me, but barely hanging on to that. So when I got into jail, I had much of the same feeling. I wanted to get out of there initially because I was withdrawing, but once that, you know, there was still a part of me that was like, oh, okay, like. You know, even though it's going to hurt for the next couple of weeks or whatever, going through withdrawals, you know that, you know, at the time I didn't know, but, you know, you can't get it in here. You're stuck in here. It's whatever. You're safe. You have two weeks, wrap your head around that, get off this shit and then move forward. And it was like, I got the same sort of feelings you did after being in there for a while and stuff. You start to connect with some people and it's like, man, you know, this is my life now. This is, you know, years, spend years in a place like that, especially it's like, you start to believe that this is your life. And it's like, well, it's not that bad, but I want to hear, um, you know, how long you were in there, uh, and, and kind of the experience or, or what the transition was from, from prison, um, to, to life immediately after leaving prison. Yeah. So like, like I said, being in there, um, you know, kind of, got me in like a controlled environment. I was getting used to it, but I think slowly just being away from everything, uh, I was starting to come to terms with stuff. Uh, slowly, you know, they offer some help, not much in there, but just being around there, 
I was slowly, you know, months and months went by, and then um, I was getting there, and I just remember I uh, I went to court the one day, and and uh, I got a I had a crazy bail. They were they were um, had all these armed robberies and some other serious stuff, and uh, from all over, uh, multiple everywhere, uh, pharmacy robberies, yeah, snapping, uh, you know, a lot of a lot of crazy stuff, man. Uh, you know, stuff I. You know, I, I would never do in a normal state, but you know, I I, I just was in self destruction mode, and you know, my bail's close to a million. You know, I, I burn all the bridges even burnt. You know, yeah. uh, and I'm I'm going to I got a, a public defender, and I remember going to coordinate. They offered me uh they had me ma major crimes. They they had me yeah. case major crimes. Because it was because it was a violent robbery. I was the same thing up here, man. Yeah, it's like, violent. They call it major crimes, and and I had the same feeling. Going, holy shit! Like, yeah, there's like gangsters and drug kingpins, yeah. and then there's like me. Yeah. And the pro wrestling thing. I never got more publicity in pro wrestling than when I fucked up. <laughs> you would have thought I was Hulk Hogan already. Like every page from from body slams to the slammer. Reckless was my wrestling, or like Reckless in the ring, and now let's be out of it. You know, every paper, front page of all the biggest papers, um, it was a media shitstorm, and uh, and I, like every day, I just had to read this bad shit about me, and I was like, these, these people don't know, you know, they don't, they don't know the stories, you know, they see the headlines, but they don't really know the the person, why, you know, people just read headlines, and the media gets carried away, and. And, you know, I, I deserve some, and I don't get me wrong, but people don't know the story. And then once I get there, that the major crimes, they only, uh, they offer you one deal. They, they say major crimes is different. I'm from that one deal, you take it or you go to trial. And my, my deal was 40 years, 85% violent crime in New Jersey. Uh, so I got to do 80, 85%. Nah, I'm still state. It wasn't feds. Uh, I had some, some charges come over, over the state line and PA, but they kept it. In, in the state instead of the feds and um they offered me 40 years i had to do 34 at that time i'm like 28 i'm thinking i put my body through some shit man that's that's life to me you know 34 years no no early release nothing you got to do day for day 34 and then you can parole out um no good time nothing or go to trial and you know get 200 years or whatever more than that whatever and I just remember I had this public defender who, who was just a, you know, he he, was, he didn't know how to defend a case like mine. And I go in there and the judge, I, I'll never forget it. I said, like, I'm not taking 40 years. I turn it down. I, I signed to go to, you know, life. It's 34 years in my, my, my opinion. So I'm like, why not, why not just get life life? I'm not going to live for 34. So, so I signed them papers and I go in front of the judge. And I've been in jail for a little while. I'm starting to, I'm starting to come back around mentally. You know, I'm starting to come to terms with stuff and uh, face my problems in a controlled environment. And the judge stopped. I didn't know judges could do this. And he stops and he's like, uh, Mr. Hardy, you sure? He's like, I highly recommend you think this over. He's like, you, do you want to you die in prison? If you don't, I, I recommend you, you, you think about taking that deal. I'm thinking in my head. If I take the deal, I'm dead. You know, I, I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna live to be sixty or whatever, sixty-two, whatever it was. And uh, and I, I signed them trial papers, and and I got back to my cell, and I just, I just made a promise. I was like, 
I, I can't change this, man. I can't go back. I can't. I can't change what happened. Uh, I wish I could. Uh, so many things. If I could have, you know, if I had the, the magic potion, I would have, but I, I couldn't. And I came to terms with that for, for like the first time. My, my brother's gone. Uh, you know, I don't know how he died. I, I, nothing I can do, at least from here. I can't. Right now, I'm in no position to do anything. I just can't. You know, for the first time, I started coming to terms with this shit I, I wasn't able to before. And I just made a promise to myself, uh, regardless if I, if, I, if I never get out of this jail, I'm gonna, I'm gonna try to make things right. If I gotta do it from behind bars, if I gotta do it on death row, wherever I gotta do it, I'm gonna do it. And uh, I started coming up with a game plan. I was like, all right, well, I do get a trial and I lose. I, I want to leave some kind of lasting thing on the street. So I, I got this idea, like, let me see if I can get this bail reduced. Let me see if I can get out there on the street so people know, you know, my story or some part, you know, what happened. They can see. I'm not this monster that the media made me out to be. And, uh, you know, I, I got some lawyers just to work on my bail. And, and I, I was able to bail out after about a year. And uh, I bailed out. And, uh, you know, I got out of, I, I was broke. You know, I was getting it back together, but I lost everything. How good did that feel, though, when you walked out of that jail, man? I can't even imagine that feeling. Even though it was just bail and the, and the possibility of going back, you, you got to be thinking, like, hey, like, there's there's a good chance I'm, I'm never walking away. And so when that day, and, and people have to understand, because I've gone through a, a bail process, I was never looking at 40 years, but, you know, I was looking at, like, seven or eight, well, and then I'm not again, looking at 40 uh, anymore. I was no, looking no, at life. I know, I know, I'm, now I'm, I'm taking you back to this time. <laughs> How good did it feel at that time, even though back then potentially there still was the chance? Because now, like, what was your mindset? It's like, I got to get out there yeah, and I'm going to. I just passed on the 40 years. So basically, I passed on that. So now I'm, I'm rolling the dice with life. Yeah. Um, and is there the death penalty in, in New Jersey? No, I okay. wasn't for the death penalty. Okay. Well, I don't, I don't know, right? Like, nah, yeah, yeah. We're, we're kind of running it in like Canada. Some years, you know. I, I, was, I was dying in jail, dead, gone. And uh, so I got out, you know, just something that's in my head. heavy shit, man. That is heavy, 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 heavy shit. Um, I can't even imagine. That's why I had to ask you, man. Like yeah, that. Yeah. Man, it was just like, it was relief. But, you know, you kind of put, you still got that cloud over your head, man. Like, the more you start doing good, I'm starting like, pick up the pieces, but I know in the back of my head, like, do you want to get in a relationship with a girl? Cause you might have to leave or you got to go do this. Do you want to, you don't have a kid. Do you want a job? Do you want to do this? Cause you might have to leave this. Like the better life you build, the more you might have to leave. You know what I mean? And uh, I kind of just hid, hid, you know, I kind of just tried to bury what I was going through. You know, I had some lawyers, a lot of legal stuff was going on. And uh, during this time I'm out for a little bit. And next thing you know, they come, they, they picked me up, the U.S. Marshals. So I'm out. I'm doing everything right. Everything right. I never committed a crime since uh, 2015. Uh, I've never, I've had a parking ticket since. Never, you know, never, nothing like that. Not even, not even a ticket, nothing since 2015. Since I got out on bail. They did pick me up, though, um, for that same time. They said Pennsylvania is picking up your robberies, too. You got some over there. And they're picking up. So, you know, they, they put me in like a federal holding because I was a 
because I had the warrants there, instead of letting me just go there and turn myself in, I would have turned myself in right away. They, they had me as a fugitive of justice. I have to wait over in Jersey. And this is when like things are finally getting better. And that was like the hardest part. I, I went over to Pennsylvania and I, they didn't have much there, but they said, you know, New Jersey, they're, they're going to give you life. They're, they're, they're trying to, we didn't, we didn't think we were going to get you. We don't really want you. They didn't have a case, but they, they wanted me to do something. They say, I'm, I'm in there for like two months already. They're like, do another nine. You know, give us a year. Give us a year. New Jersey agreed to put everything on hold. And uh, give us a year and you'll get out and then you go fight your case again. And I, I took it, man. I, my lawyer told me, you know, he's like, I need time, you know. I, I need time with your Jersey case, he said. So I went and turned myself in. And uh, so it was complicated. I went there. They picked me up. I bowed out for a little bit again. And then I turned myself in. But this time, you know, I'm, I'm already out for like a year. And that was like really a wake up call. I started putting the pieces of my life back together. And then they threw me back in that, that cage. And that's when like, at the time I was just like hiding my past. I wasn't really coming to terms with all that shit. You know, I was getting help for it. I was in a much better place, but like people would ask me and I, I wouldn't really talk about it. I wasn't open about it. Once I went and did that, that year after, you know, I had some really good people in my life, a lot of friends who just, you know, had my best interest. And they, they stuck around. This time is a whole different. You know, people were visiting me. People were writing letters. You know, they're proud. They're like, you know, and uh, and I come out and I was like, you know, I, things slowly started getting better in Jersey. It was just the wildest thing, man. You know, I can't talk too much about it, but just things when I started doing the right things, like the most miraculous things ever, just started happening. Unbelievable! I, 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 I it, it is like things that, um. Things you would never impossible, one in a million, and they just started happening. And and I said, man, you know, I, I gotta, I gotta do something, man, because in the back of my head, I'm still thinking that feeling. I, I couldn't get that feeling out of my head. Sitting in that jail cell when I first got arrested, man, I lost my brother, my fiance, my dream wrestling, everything. I was just so broken, man. It was the worst feeling. You, you can relate, Brady. You. You've been there, man. You, you've been there. And, you know, like I said, we, we might have different storms, but we have similar stories. And no matter what your storm is, when you're sitting there at that bottom, when you're sitting there at that lowest point, man, it, it's just something, man. It, it, even if people want to help you, some people, they just don't know how to help you, man. If you if you didn't go through a storm like me, what are you, you going to tell me? You know, get an umbrella? You don't know. You don't know how to go through that. People don't know. They want to help you. Like, <laughs> I'm sorry to laugh, but that was brilliant. <laughs> I, you know, I laughed. I use a lot of laughter to do this, but it's real. That shit. it was money, man. That was beautiful. <laughs> Get a that fucking was... umbrella. I don't know, man. You know, put your, put your on, oh, you know, my, my story is serious, but you know, laughter got me through a lot of them dark. So days. true, man. But it's true, man. You're you're right about that, right? And it's it's a lot, and it's it's. I don't know, man, from my experience too, it's like, yeah, people, I think along the way wanted to help me. And a lot of the time I'd never allowed them to, cause I never was getting honest, kind of what you were talking about and, and kind of addressing these things. But when it came down to it, I really had to do some, some deep soul searching and it came down to me making a decision for myself and much to like you said, where it's like, 
I feel like you're downplaying these one in a million situations, these unbelievable things that have happened because you feel that if you talk about them, people just won't simply even believe you because they're that unbelievable and just that crazy. The same things that happen to me. And I talk about it with a few people where it's just like unexplainable things. So I, I wonder like, was there a time for you where you were in that position? And I know that you had already put the pieces to your life together. They put you back in there, but kind of like, walk me through like having to relive that and where your mind's at what where was your focus and and everything and and what really happened once you got out of jersey and and kind of what was that you wanted to do something good like what was that that good that you wanted to do and how did you make it happen tell us a little bit about I, that i come to terms with no matter like i said man i it was hard man i don't want to make it sound like it happened overnight but i came to terms with i couldn't go back and things I was ashamed of, man. I didn't want to bring these things up because you don't want to talk about. These were my lowest moments: getting arrested, losing my brother, losing my fiance, losing my dream. It was embarrassing. Uh, you know, you don't want to relive them. But I started to accept them. And then in my head, what got me through that? I thought I can't go back and change that. But what can I do? What can I do? Take them same lessons that broke me, the same things that broke me. What can I do to make them make me? I said, I, I can help somebody else, somebody else who's down there, somebody else who lost lost a loved one, going through drugs, whatever, doesn't matter. Your storm, my storm, we all have storms. Whatever they're going through, they look at somebody like me, people relate to people like them, people who went through shit like them. You know, I relate to you because you went through that shit, man. You walked, maybe not the same shoes, but man, you, you went through your own hell. And, uh, and I said, what, what can I do? Maybe even stop somebody from going through as low as I went. Or if they are down there, I can reach back down and say, hey, brother, I was down. I was a, I was there, man. Look at me now. I'm talking to some hockey player from Canada. You know, let's get the fuck out of here. Yeah. <laughs> you know, that, that was, I wanted to give them hope, man, because it, it was hopeless. It's hopeless when you're down there, man. When you lost it all, you don't have anything. So that's all I could do. I couldn't go back and change my thing. The next best thing I could use that stuff for something good. I could take my mistakes. I could take my worst moments. I could take the tragedies. You know, I did some bad shit, but I had a lot of tragic stuff that just shouldn't have happened. That just happened, man. Just shit I don't wish on nobody. I didn't handle good. Uh, I did some bad shit, but I just had other some, some tragic shit, man. And I just knew there's other people out there. I started hearing other stories, and I was like, man, there's other people going through this. I thought I was, at the time when I'm sitting in that jail cell, I thought I was like the only person. I thought I was the worst person in the world. I didn't realize there was other people like you, man, fighting storm right around the same time I was fighting, yeah. fighting these battles. And that's right. what it, was the exact that's what time. it was at the exact same time, man. Yeah. And, and, you know, I, I kind of read it briefly. It's like, you know, he kind of started doing hungry for hope and I want to get into that. Um, 2020, right? Like it's in the last couple of years, right? Yeah. 2020, right before the pandemic started February, 2020, um, that's crazy, man. That's right when I started doing my shit too. That's wild, man. Yeah, man. I listened to your first episodes and stuff, and I can see like I don't know if people see to me, but like uh, I had some some years out. I was doing some good stuff, but I can see you grow through your episodes of where you are in the beginning. Like I feel like your audience is growing with you. <laughs> They're Thanks, seeing man. you because I feel like this is making both of us, man. Like hunger for hope's my life. It's the greatest thing I ever did, man. Fuck wrestling. Fuck ball yes I man i want to spread hope i want to reach yes. back down i want to go back down into the depths of hell that i came out of and say hey look motherfucker we don't need them bro you got me 
you know, I, I was out there. We were helping somebody. I was with my buddy, and we just help anybody, anybody. But we were, we were helping these people. Tornado hit my hometown. We're out there with my buddy, the Enright, say, on a big tree company. I'm just volunteering with my nonprofit. I'm just out there. I took off work. And there's this guy waiting. He's like, waiting for the government. It's like the government's going to come. He lost his house. He lost everything. He didn't have home insurance. I'm going somewhere with this story, but he, he had no no insurance. His house was paid off. He lost everything. He's sitting out there just broken. He, he didn't lose his brother. He wasn't on drugs, but he had that same look I had in that jail cell. He's waiting. He, he realized after a couple of days, I'm there like asking if he needs help. And he realized nobody's coming. Just like nobody was coming for me when I was on there in that jail cell. He was broken. You could tell he was, he felt, I saw the same fucking look I I had, man. And I went up to him. The government's not coming, man. He was waiting. He thought, he thought President Biden, he's like, they, they said that, you know, they declared it a national emergency. They were sending people out. They don't care about you. You know, you're, you're some broke guy with no insurance. There was media, the governors and everything. They were like a mile off the street. Like, Nobody's coming for you, dude. He just looked at me. I'm, I'm being honest with him. I'm just like, Steve, nobody's coming. I was like, but guess what, man? You got fucking me. You got these end rights. You got us. We're fucking here. We're the heroes. And we're going to help you. And you're going to get out of this. It's not going to be that bad. You're going to be okay. And stuff like that, man. It's the greatest high I ever got. There's no, I've done drugs. I've done pro wrestling. I've been in front of thousands of fans chanting my name. Nothing. When you look in that guy's eye, you tell him, you mean it. And a couple of days later, he's crying. He's hugging. We got volunteers there. We're, we're building the pieces. He's like, you. You didn't fucking lie to me. You didn't lie to me. You were there for me. You know that's the stuff that drives. That's the stuff that gets me out of bed, man. Doing stuff. Fucking right, man. I I try not to swear, but honestly, man, when you're talking, I can feel the passion behind it, and I'm so grateful. I think this world is is such a better place, and I I believe that you've gone through what you've gone through is as horrible as it was at different periods of time, whether it be as a kid or, or, you know, trying to find yourself through uh, the addiction and especially jail, all of that. You know, losing your brother, arguably the hardest thing you've ever gone through. I don't want to put words in your mouth, but all of this is some of it maybe doesn't all make sense, and, and, and the pain, some of it you know, stemming even the childhood stuff, like some of that pain, like some of that stuff that happened, that trauma, like may always be there, but now you've taken this and it's like, you've turned it into essentially like your superpower because you're helping people. It's helping you. And to have that fire, to have that passion, to have that drive and to have it in service, not everybody has that, right? Like there's, it takes, I don't know. I don't, I don't know if it's always the people who, who fall apart that kind of are ignited to, to do this kind of stuff, but it, it takes something special. And I'm just so inspired by hearing about uh, your passion, but I want to hear about hungry for hope. Where did the idea come from? Um, when did, you know, when did you, you know, 2020, you said you got it off the ground. Were there hurdles? Did you try to give up? Like, tell us a little rundown about about bringing it all to life, man. Where the idea came from? Like, uh, originally, where were you? Who helped so, you think? So, the most know? amazing thing when I started doing the right thing, like I said, like you said, these coincidences. I don't call them coincidences. These things start happening. Like, uh, just amazing things started happening. Like, I don't question it anymore. I just know, like, if I have a question, it just comes to me. It's nuts, man. And uh, yeah. I know I wanted to do something more. I got into some. I was doing some boxing, some entertainment stuff. The wrestling, I, you know, I, I was done. I, I didn't want to, it just wasn't where my heart was, but I was doing some stuff and I, I happened to come on a podcast. At the time, I thought podcast was a was an Apple product. I thought it was like something you listen to music on. I didn't know what it was, man. <laughs> I'm, I'm, 
I'm a pro wrestler, you know, felon, you know, I don't, I don't know what it is. I'm like, yeah, I'll come on. It's a pretty big show I was on. And uh, it's produced by the Toxic Radio. And they, they had me on as a guest. And you give me a mic, I tell my story because I have so much passion behind it. This is a story I hid for so long. Yeah. I was embarrassed. I was ashamed. But now it all makes sense. Like, I, I wear this. I used to say, why me? Now I say, yes, me. Because I realized all them sucked. Yeah, it sucked. But there is a reason. Because there's somebody out there who might not be as strong as me. And they might go through them battles. If they don't have somebody like me that they can look at who, who went through it and survived they might not be able to so i got done this show and they're like you, you need to have your own show let's do a wrestling show boxing show you know at the time like wrestling boxing no they're like we got it guys like, i don't know nothing about podcasts i know nothing about that you know i did interviews on the radio and stuff they're like we got a guy who, who can do it and you know i liked him he, he went through hell too at the time and uh they're like we'll, we'll put him with you he had a big show before but the show's gonna be all you man and uh I was like, nah, man. And I came back to him, and, and we were talking with the, the guy. He's like, come on, I really want to do a show with you. We're going to have it on uh, Toxic Radio. They're, they're, they're going to produce it, man. This is a great opportunity. I saw it, and I was like, it is, man. He's like, this is your opportunity to to do more. And I said, I want it to be inspiration, man. I want to help people. Uh, you know, we can talk some wrestling. I could tell some stupid wrestling stories, but I, I want to help people. And one thing led to another. And, you know, uh, I started with Tim Kudges, uh, who I started it with. And um, it was me and him. And the more we helped, it was just amazing. And then I always wanted to do some kind of nonprofit, but I was like, we got to do more. Next thing you know, you know, we, we got into a nonprofit. It took a little bit and we became a 501c3 a few months back. Um, we turned Hungry for Hope. It's not just a podcast now. It's a, a nonprofit. We were doing a lot of stuff in the community. Uh, we were going to Kensington. I told you, it's just like your little area. It's like war zone down there these people who are hopeless as hopeless can be and we just go out and i talk to them man i just you know we feed them we clothe them we do all that we barbecue but more i i share my story and they look at me people just need to these people are forgotten man i was i felt forgotten when i was in, in that prison i know how it feels man i'm i might have not been on that same corner they are but uh we all have our storm yeah and uh, you can just see it in their eyes man these people are broken it's the same look i always say it's the same look i had when I, when I lost it all, and the more I did, I was like, let's go, man. It's like, it's like being a junkie or something, you know, these words, yeah. it was like yeah. my high, man, the more I saw, and that, that's kind of where we're at now, I'm just building this, I'm doing anything I can to help people, man, I'm going to share my story till, till people get sick of it, till they boo me, till they tell me to stop, I'm going to keep on telling it, I'm going to help people, I'm going to save people, anybody down and out, I'm going to be your fucking superhero, I'm sorry, I'm cursing, but you know. Uh, no, you're good, man, you're good, you say whatever the hell you want to say, man, yeah. this is this is open mic, I just try not to, but there's always a time and a place, I drop F-bombs here and there, I used to swear a lot more, but then I would go back and listen, but when you're, when you're speaking, man, don't ever apologize for that, man, because there's so yeah, I, I had a no cursing rule for like a week on my show, and then because I, I didn't like, it. I was like, oh, it's not not classy. But when you're talking about passion, you're going yeah. through something. Man, I can't control these feelings. I, I don't. I didn't write a script, man. Man, you didn't talk. Just like when you came on the show, everything you said was passion. And uh, man, that's why I relate to you so much. Ain't no script, man. This is life. I lived it, man. I can't write yeah. this shit, man. Yeah, you can't make this shit up, man. I I hear you, man, and I relate so much to what what you were saying, and I'm just, man, it's it's so true, right? Like there's so many people out there that never make it out of, out of that, whether it be addiction, uh, mental illness, jail, 
Uh, I have several friends that, you know, I've met along the way through whether it be through addiction or myself being in jail where, you know, these, these are good dudes. These are good people who just never really had a chance. You know, I've mentioned this on the podcast lots. How many guys did I, did I meet in jail that couldn't read, couldn't write, couldn't, couldn't, a couple guys couldn't even spell their own name. And it was like, and then, and then what are they doing while they're in there? They're, they're giving, they're getting no help. Um, and I, I saw so many guys, like I'd be in there for like two years and I'd see the same guy like seven, eight times, you know, like just in from in for a couple of weeks, he gets out, he's back out for a couple of weeks, come back in. And it's just like this revolving door. And I sit there and I'm watching. It's like, what the hell is going on here? I lived a life being homeless too on the corner. Like I know what that's like. And I see the same thing, the suffering, like, some people, maybe we can't save them all, but I truly believe that, you know, by you, you know, sharing your story, by you getting out there, by other people sharing their story, getting out there, we can save lives. We can provide hope. And I'm just so thankful you're out there doing this. And I encourage you, people boo you or whatever, who gives a shit? Keep sharing your story. Keep living your truth because you never know, man. It might not uh, hit the masses. It might not be millions of people. But sometimes it's just that one person that you that you connect with and you can really kind of pull them out and put them on a new trajectory or educate them to, to maybe not make some of the decisions that you or I made. And that's kind of where my passion is, too, is really getting out there and sharing my story in hopes that it will help somebody not have to go through as it, you know, as long as hell as I went through, whether it be empowering them to say, hey, yes, I was sexually abused. And, and you know what, I'm going to take control over this. I'm going to get the help. I'm going to address it. I'm going to do whatever I need to do, whether it be um, education surrounding. So I never try this drug because this might happen or someone who's an addiction that, you know, looking for help, whatever the case is, there's there needs to be more of it. There needs to be more Johnny hearts in the world, man. And I'm just so thankful um, for you. Um, want to get to a couple comments before we we wrap up but i'm sure we're going to do this again man because i oh, love yeah, i love the fact that you can talk like you have no idea i'm sitting here going this is one of the best i'm just listening like i'm watching the show and i'm like yeah this it is awesome. a long time to get to this point that's why i just want to tell anybody real quick you know your story is your story to tell don't feel like just because i'm telling it so many people message me inbox me they have a story they don't want to share yet that's fine man yeah, it took me a long time to get to this point, man. Uh, don't don't feel rushed, man. It's your story. Nobody else can tell you when to share it. Absolutely, and I always I always uh, kind of echo similar things. Just with it doesn't even have to be, you know, in many cases, probably most cases, um, doesn't have to be publicly on a podcast or whatever. But I really I really strongly encourage people to find somebody if there's something that's, you know, at least my experience, I'm not a doctor, I don't want to tell people what to do. But my experience, and it sounds like from your experience, having somebody um, to be able at least one person to talk to about something um, that's going on can can really make the difference, right? Absolutely. So I want to get to uh, to a couple of comments. Um, I'm not going to get to them all. I apologize, everybody. Um, we'll see here. We got. Um, I want to jump ahead. I think this is one of, one of your. Is this one of is this one of your your buddies, Michael? Yeah, eight five. What's up, eight five? Big five. Yeah, eight he's five. Watching. All this stuff. The football numbers, man. I got this. Hey. 
He's watching. Who just, you know, we went to high school together. Baddest, baddest motherfucker on the field is is what he says. So uh, he's watching. Shout out to Michael. Um, Thanks, A five. My uh, my my friend Brody's watching. He says, "I'm so sorry, Donnie, for the loss of your brother. Such a sad moment. My condolences. That was earlier on." Thank um, you, Brody. Thank you, Brody from from Barry, Ontario. My other buddy Jesse uh, watching says, "What a strong human!" Because he corrected it down here. What a strong human, referring to you. Thank uh, you, Jesse. <clears throat> Jesse, great dude. Shout out, Jesse. I'm proud of you, man. Uh, he's uh, he has his own battles, as we all do. He's and he's kicking great. ass, Jesse, man. We're all yeah. strong. Yeah, I'm right. Um, Brody also says, "Get an umbrella." Have me laughing here, ha ha! Like with a laugh. That was, that was it. That was I. I loved that man. That was such. Have you ever used that before? You got man. Sometimes I try to throw jokes, but sometimes I get so into it. You know, oh, there's always so, sometimes it's good to bring that laughter, but I, I didn't feel it that was so good, man. You delivered at a perfect time. Uh, ben says, hey, man, I'm not sure what that was about. But Brody also says, Donnie, you're a beast, man. So happy you took the time to come on the show tonight. Appreciate your time. Thank uh, you, Brody. Dean, my guy, Dean Smeal says, absolutely effing incredible. Very powerful. Good on you, Donnie. Uh, Keegan Downer says, you're the fucking man, Donnie. <laughs> Says, uh, thanks so much for sharing tonight, gents. So inspiring. Um, yeah, just just unbelievable. So where can uh, where can people find more about uh, Hungry for Hope? I know it's on Instagram. Uh, but yeah, you also Instagram, hear- man. I keep everything on Instagram. You can find uh, Hungry for Hope podcast on uh, Facebook. Uh, Donnie Hart, my Facebook. Um it's funny. I'm just telling you, I switched it. I had a Donnie Charles for so long because you get out of jail. You, I remember you saying, like, you don't have Facebook because we're like, you know, we destroyed our lives. We're not trying to go back. We just think everybody hates us. So I remember, like, when I got out, I had all these messages and I was like, I want to hide. You know, everybody, I'm on the newspaper. So I'm like, I'm not Donnie Hart no more. I remember changing my Facebook to Donnie Charles back in 2016. I just never changed it back. And I was telling you, my name, people forget, they don't know me. They think my name's Charles. I was like, it's, it's time to change it. I actually changed it today. I, I, I saw it. I saw know, it. Actually. It sounds something little, but, you know, I'm so uh, – I, I I am who I am now, man. I accept everything, and uh, ain't no running for my past, man. I'm, I'm fucking open arms. I'm taking it. So, yeah, Donnie Hart on Facebook, Hungry for Hope. Uh, what's that little thing? Uh, underscore? Underscore. It's on the bottom screen there if you yeah. check it out. And uh, for people listening, I'll have it all in uh, – yeah, we have some oh, websites coming. The website's down right now, but you come on there, man. Uh, and we're our shows on uh, Go on Apple Podcast, all of them, Spotify, it's Hungry for Hope Podcast, Hungry the Number Four Hope. Uh, you know, tune in, man. Yeah, Facebook.com slash Hungry the Number Four Hope Podcast Nonprofit. That's the uh, that's the Facebook page. And I will actually have a link uh, in the audio for sure. Um, directly if you're listening to this after the fact i'll link it right to the the spotify and apple podcast page um it's on spotify too yeah Probably. spotify iHeartRadio, anywhere where where podcasts are just about and and it's uh man i absolutely love your guys's show and i appreciate you guys having me on uh and giving me some some space to Gotta bring you back on brother yeah and and dude I'm inspired by you, man, because I, I look like, you know, 2020, it says this is the Puck Support logo. That's what this organization, that I'm sorry, 2020, like same time. And when I see your drive, your passion, um, just to help people uh, to, to utilize 
you know, your pain, your suffering for the greater good, it just makes me want to keep going even, even further. And, you know, my, my passions right now, yes, are primarily hockey, mental illness and addiction. But for anybody that's ever watched or listened to this show, you guys hear me say it all the time. I have aspirations of, of getting in, in like downtown. You mentioned uh, the area, sorry, where was the area? That's like hell. Kensington, Philly. Kensington, Philly. So that's, you're relating it to my hell, which I've talked about on the podcast, Hastings, man. which is like Hastings street. Right. And like, yeah. I, want, I, I have this, yearning man for like being in like and just giving people a chance maybe not everybody wants a chance but i i fully believe there's people in in the most hopeless states of mind right now where people the not only them but the majority of people are going there is not a chance for that person but i'm telling you there there is and sometimes we just need to, to give them that chance and and you're one of those guys i'm going to be one of those guys never stop doing what you're doing, man, because this is what you're meant to do, Donnie. Proud of you, man. I'm proud Thank of you. you, man. Thank you so much. And to leave it, if somebody took the bet a couple years back, four years, that Brady and Donnie Hart would be on a show inspiring people, man. Nobody in a million years would have thought. We we were hopeless. We were down and out, man. We were we were forgotten. We were giving up on it. Here we are, man. So anybody down there, anybody going through bad times, man. Look at us, man. We made it. We got the umbrella. We got through the storm. <laughs> oh, oh man. man. Never give up. Oh, you're awesome, dude. That was that was perfect. And I couldn't honestly, I couldn't could never have said it better. You're um before I let you go, I wanna say too that um I know you had a speech impediment as a as a kid and you did a lot of work through it. I know it hasn't been an issue, but you're one hell of a speaker, man one hell of a speaker so keep sharing your story whatever it is podcast get up on a stage whatever it is you kill it man and never look back man i'm so proud of you dude so proud of you thank you so much thank you everybody hockey to hell and back for tuning in man thank you everybody for tuning in thank you a lot brady it's been a pleasure all right buddy donnie we will chat soon man keep up the good work thank That's you so great, much man. man talk soon love you brother see you guys love you too man Wow, that was awesome, right? I, this is what it's all about. This is what it's all about. I hope you guys all enjoyed that. I certainly did from a listener's, viewer's perspective. feel very fortunate to have met uh, Donnie. Uh, it's the beauty of social media. I think it causes a lot of issues. At least for me, it takes up a lot of my time. But it's allowed me to connect with a lot of incredible people. A lot of you watching or listening right now. Donnie, so many unbelievable people. And I just want to touch on what he said there at the end. Like, holy, what a great point. People, there's no way anybody that knew me and the people that knew Donnie, you asked them if they would have been, we're sitting here doing this, doing the things we're doing. If you would ask me, I would have told you were full of shit. Excuse my French. I didn't believe that. I was hopeless. Donnie was hopeless. And here we are today, both full of hope, full of hope. But it took a lot to get here. And I think that was something that Donnie kind of touched on early on. And, and we kind of, I think he wanted to go there is the fact that it's like, this didn't happen overnight. And I think, you know, for me, I, I always wanted everything to happen overnight. If I wanted, didn't matter what it was, if it was getting clean from addiction or, 
you know, getting people's trust back or whatever. As I was younger, it was like, I want everything now, you know, and it took a long time to get to the point where I'm at. And I know it's taken a long time for Donnie to get to where he's at, like he said, to be able to share his story, except, you know, the things that have happened in our life, either to us or the things we've done. But you can't get to that point. You can get to that point. And Donnie is just a screaming example of that. Absolutely so thankful for his time. And I hope you guys enjoyed that as much as I did. Very raw, very real. But so much hope. So much hope. Anyways, guys, that's it. I got some awesome guests lined up. Dave Rutherford's going to join the show. One of my best friends. Um, this guy won at every level he played at, <laughs> including the Mem Cup, the Dub, the East Coast, the BC Hockey League, Junior B, everywhere. He just recently retired from pro. Me and him go way back. He might join the show next week. I also have the founder from the same here. If you aren't following at same here, uh, on Instagram, hashtag same here. Follow them, check them out. He's going to join the show. And uh, I'm drawing a blank. Who else is coming on? But I got some awesome people in the queue. And I also have a new brand manager. Shout out Joshua Balderson up there in Gananoque. He's been extremely helpful. He's going to be extremely helpful moving forward. Shout out Kaya Smeal. Not sure if she's watching or listening to this, but her and I and Josh are going to work together. The three of us still need to meet collectively um, to really bring this thing to another level, to try to get it out there to, to more people, to hopefully inspire more people. However, I will say that I'm so thankful for all of you. I see David Carlson watching. He says, great show. One of my longest listeners. Shout out, David Carlson. Lots of love for you, man. But yes, thank you to everybody. Thank you to everybody. I, I'm just, I'm going to go here. Because if I don't shut up, I never shut up. And I'm losing my voice. But, you know, life really isn't easy. Life really isn't easy. Um, I think there's ups and downs, at least for me, and it's times that are easier than others. <clears throat> but it seems like there's always something, right? There's always something. I just want to highlight the last thing because it's so true for me. What Donnie said when he started to do right and really started to make the right decisions, not just for himself, but just the right decision. It's not always about how is this gonna benefit me? What does this do for me? Sometimes there's just a right decision to make and it's not about what's right for me. And I really believe that when we start to make these right decisions, the world just sort of opens itself provides us everything that we need and, and brings those people to us and everything will be. So keep trucking, do not give up. I know there's times when Donnie wanted to give up, certainly many times when I wanted to give up, felt like there was times that I had. And I'm so thankful that Donnie didn't, so thankful that I didn't, 
Because here I am, here he is, with just endless opportunities in front of us that maybe we, not even maybe, I know for a fact, we both thought were not possible. Never give up on yourself. Stay grateful always. It's hard. It's hard. But try to practice gratitude. Try to practice gratitude. Yes, it's hard. It's hard. Be kind to everybody. This episode was in memory of the late Matt Swaby. Condolences to his family and everybody touched. Please check out the GoFundMe page. Check it out. Look for it in the link of the audio if you're listening. Such a sad story. We'll see you guys next Tuesday for sure, 9 p.m., possibly sooner. Thank you so much for sticking with me. Never give up on yourselves. See you next Tuesday. Same bat time, same bat channel. Remember, have a great day if you so choose. I want the real stuff, everybody listen up Cause I'll only say it once, I'ma show you how to path If you want it bad, I'ma show you where it's at Yeah, how you can get it back, yeah, cause I ain't never done I'll be number one, working never hard until I get just what I want Yeah, rise just like the sun, yeah, fatal like a gun Shooter's gonna shoot and I'm gonna shoot until I fall I'm always do it alone, so I gotta get through it And the only thing I know is to love what I'm doing Never give up, never slow till I finally prove it. Never listen to the no's, I just wanna keep moving. Yeah, I put out all this art, it's my only medicine. Yeah, everything I do, I'm just being genuine. Yeah, I'm sick of being screwed, feel my own adrenaline. Yeah, I do just what I do, and I hope you let me in, let me in. Yeah.